I did kind of listen to your audio message, but I was, I don't know what I was doing, but I, I didn't catch every single thing that you said, but I kind of got the, the overall general gist. You're going to ask me about a bunch of stuff that I probably don't have answers for. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, I got some ubiquity questions for y'all. Like, I don't know no answers. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Do you have the video or, or the YouTube channel that Doug said to check out? Because if you don't, I will pull it out of the WhatsApp conversation him and I had. Uh, and I'm going to watch that guy's stuff and put it I in the show. I don't notes. remember it off the top of my head, but if I go into YouTube, I can find it. Yeah. Because yeah, I, I've watched a couple of his videos, so they're going to show up as things I've viewed. Uh, Cause yeah, he's he's uh he's he's pretty he's the one who basically kind of convinced me until you threw that rabbit out there, that red <laughs> herring I will call it, out there about that other company that I have forgotten about completely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so my question for you is, uh, and 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 I may already have the answer. Um, I think I need to get an adapter to make PPOE work with an AC outlet. Because it looks like most of Ubiquity's add-on equipment is PPOE. Because um, I need to add a, another like transmitter, a, a mesh thing. And I think I'm going to go with the high-range one. Um, just because, just you know, it would be kind of cool for Andrew to use our internet at school instead of the school's internet. <laughs> yeah, man. It would be cool. Uh, yeah, they so they sell them. Um, you can find them on Amazon. Uh, I, I have done a little bit of research into those myself because I knew I would need some. Uh, or at least I thought I would need some. I, I came up with the goofy idea, which I haven't measured yet. I got to actually measure how long this is. Because uh, I think I told you about this, that in order for me to add a extender, like a, a another mesh point, like towards the front of the house, I would need to either get a... Uh, power over ethernet adapter that goes to ac or run a super long ethernet cable uh out of my office window around the outside of the house and into the window in the living room which i still may do depending yeah. on how if you know once i actually do some measuring i was thinking about it last night it's funny it's really funny <laughs> i literally was thinking about this last night like okay hold on i can't really get to this window from the ground outside but what i can do is start below the window at a point and then start to measure around to where the living room is, which will give me a rough estimation. So let's say if I did that and it was 80 feet, I know I need a hundred foot cable. Right. Right. Uh, but if it's a hundred feet and it's like, oh, okay, I need something longer than that. And I got to do research on which ethernet protocol, which ethernet cat six, cat six, a cat seven, whatever. All those things that blur together to me until I actually need to know about them. Uh-huh. Like yeah. which one actually will do, you know, 10 gigabits a second over a, you know, distance of 200 feet or whatever, because there, there are differences. You can't just go buy a random cable, a random Ethernet cable and expect to get your speeds because it degradates over that that distance if you don't have the right sort of cable. I And I also want the cable to be flat because, you know, it just looks better and I can mm -hmm. actually probably tuck it up under some of the little siding right there just, you know, so it's not actually just sticking out. You know, it's all that consideration. But yeah, they do have... Uh, adapters that go from you know go from the uh, ac outlet to power over ethernet to provide power for those uh that that is a thing i've definitely looked up because that may be a easier solution than what i'm thinking about uh so if this makes an influence because i have never looked into ppoe like I, i've heard it i know what it is and i can generally explain it to mallory when she asked me what it is uh, but if that's like i i 
told her, I said, it gives the power to the device over Ethernet so you don't have to plug in another cable. And often that's how like desk phones are, are ran is they get their power from the Ethernet. Mm-hmm. Well, she asked me, well, where does the Ethernet get its power from? <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know, but it's but magical. It, what, what, what I told her is I said it probably gets it from the, the originating router that the uh-huh. Ethernet cable comes from. So then uh-huh. that took me down the path of researching. Well, what router do we have? Because those listeners who don't know, we've recently upgraded from Eero. Mainly because we had some issues with our Eero equipment, and it wasn't an, a, a Eero issue. It was a Michael put it down so the dogs can get to it, and maybe he should have paid a little more attention to it, and things got chewed up. So just throwing that out there, nothing wrong with Eero. Um, well, and- let me also interject here, too, that a part of the issues you were looking at with Eero 2 were the fact that you were on Eero 5s, I think. Uh, I don't even you think wanna, they were fives. They, I think they just were Eros. Like, yeah, you were on an older generation yeah. of Eero, not yeah. the, not the current six models, which means you weren't getting like the benefits of the you know, which just about all the devices, if not all of the devices in your house, can benefit from you know AC five gigahertz, et cetera, et cetera, mm-hmm. blah blah blah. Everything except six E at this point. Uh, you weren't getting those benefits of the expanded bandwidth over Wi-Fi as well because you were on older, uh, older Eero generation. So it was time to upgrade yep. is is one aspect of this, and you just chose not to go with Eero again uh, <laughs> because of, I'm going to blame it on Doug, partially because I know Doug doesn't listen to the show, so he's not going to say anything about it. Uh, I'm going to blame it on Doug. Doug went out and bought one of these. I had been looking at them. I had been talking to Michael about them, but I was like, well, I don't, I don't know. Like, I'm not going to make a definite decision yet on going with Ubiquity gear. I said, if I do go with Ubiquity, I will look at their, their kind of their dream machine lineup and the uh, mesh extenders that go with that, not their amplified line, which is more like Eero. Uh, mm. Their lineup is more like the Eros. Which is fine if you want their gear and you know you want something simple. I don't want anything simple because I'm. I have to complicate it now. <laughs> so I do want split networks. There are things I get with the with the ubiquity lineup over the amplify. Uh, but I hadn't you know really settled, and then Mike threw out a red herring about uh, Aruba. Aruba. Yes, Instant, that was it. Instant, yeah, Instant, yeah. Uh, so, so if, if you, you go look up Aruba, and we'll drop links in the show notes, but if you go look up. Aruba, um, we're going to send you directly to the instant lineup if you're interested because when I first went to just look up Aruba, it was all about providing internet for like a campus, like a university school campus or a very large corporation like say maybe Google's campus or something like that. And I was like, um, yeah, I don't need that. Like I need some complexity, not that kind of complexity. Uh, <laughs> so I, I reached out. I was like, Mike, are you sure I'm looking at the right thing? What is this? So he sent me a link to the instant on stuff, which is uh, the, uh, which is is what you need to look at for a small business or home or small business uh, setup. Um, so I started kind of researching those a little bit, and then you know Doug, however, went out <laughs> and bought a dream machine. Mm-hmm. And Michael mentioned it to Doug at one point that he was looking at this stuff, and then Doug sent him a whole bunch of YouTube links, which we will put one to a guy who has a pretty good channel on the YouTube that I have also had without Doug's interference at this point had also been watching this guy's YouTube stuff about uh, ubiquity. So Mike got the ubiquity because Doug said, get it. Yep. Yep. 
Yep. Now, I did not get what Doug got, and I think there was some confusion there, and I'll explain a little bit about what I, what I ended up getting, and maybe that'll help Demasi with uh, seeing what it is. Uh, the device I got now is $199. Uh, I believe it was $299 when I actually got it, so I'm, I am a little salty about that, just saying, uh, but, you know, we, we get over it. When... We started doing research. I told Mallory I wanted uh, the Dream Machine from Ubiquity. And so she went and she ordered what, what she thought we I had meant. And so she ordered the Dream Router from Ubiquity. And there is a bit of a difference, I guess. So the Dream Router is a syringe. It, it's kind of a, how do I explain this? Uh, it's, it's a round device. It stands probably about six inches tall. It's uh, fairly big. Uh, if I put both of my hands together, and I know that really doesn't help because people have different size hands, but it gives you a general idea. And my thumb and middle finger uh, as wide apart as I can. That's probably about how wide around it is. So it's not a small, tiny device, but it's also not giant either. On the back of it, there are five Ethernet ports and a apparently, and I just learned this yesterday, a micro SD card slot. I was unaware of that. And a uh, little power, uh, proprietary power cable. I think it's actually just a standard cow cable. I'll have to do a little bit of research and find out like, uh, but it isn't like USB-C or anything like that. It's, it reminds me of the cable on the blast, Demasi, if that helps. Um, so with that, that's all there is. And then I found out yesterday that there are two regular just ethernet ports on that. And then there is two, uh, power over ethernet ports that I can provide power over ethernet with as well. So I did start thinking about doing some measurements. I put Demasi was talking about and, uh, looking into some ethernet cable to run a extender upstairs to give the boys Wi-Fi upstairs. And then we can explore running ethernet from that extender upstairs to both of their computers or to their gaming systems or whatever they want. So, um, cause we are now at one gigabyte down, but you're not going to get that one gigabyte down over Wi-Fi on every device. Right. Right. And one thing I would also throw in here too, while you're looking around is, um, flat ethernet cables are amazing. <laughs> yes. Yes. Doug uh, also introduced me to those and flat coax cables. If you didn't know, they made those too. Uh-huh. Yep. Flat cables in general are amazing, especially when you have to run something for, a, uh, at a distance. Uh, in or outside of a house, especially inside. I haven't really done a lot of research to see if they're flat outdoor radiate cables because I also sure. don't want the weather to be an issue there. But yeah, flat cables are the best because you can run them under things, around things, and they make a neater way to kind of tuck the cable out of the way once you got it ran where you needed to get it. Uh, and, you know, depending on your ceiling uh, slash floor of your second floor or, or what your ceiling is like, though, you know, staple gun and the flat cable man and you got something set up people don't normally look up anyway so they won't see it uh, yeah just run it up the wall behind the tv and then uh go along that little ridge between the ceiling and the wall i think there's even a board that i could uh have to look because yeah so that's that's what we're going to explore i don't know what we're going to put upstairs yet that's the thing about ubiquity is it's like i call it networking legos you can just build on it with whatever you want and there's a lot of different uh hold on one sec is my audio fine to you because i just realized i didn't know where my microphone was for a while yeah you, you were fine okay 
because you can go ahead and just build on it with different things. And uh, we're kind of looking at possibly changing up our outdoor camera setup and lock system. So I really want to explore some of the more advanced features of ubiquity and separating some of that. Uh, Mallory asked me today if we could just destroy the home. That just sounds so gratifying and have her rebuild a Apple home. So we can just go all in with Apple home kit. We're going to start buying some of these smart plugs. Demasi has been recommending uh, for some of the things that we have. We're going to look into some of these power strips, um, put the Apple TVs in there and everything and just rebuild everything um, and connect it all. If I have to with Homebridge, but try to get all home kit compatible stuff. And we'll definitely share that journey as well. Yeah, and matter should help as that matter to build out. No, now I told her it, matter. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, told her look not, for matter. Yeah, if, if stuff is matter now, there's a lot of you know people have been rolling back or delaying their push out. So apparently, there's some issues with the implementation of the spec, which I'm not really surprised by. I'm disappointed, admittedly, but I'm also not surprised by it simply because you are trying to use a protocol that nobody built for in the beginning and it's basically just ip like it's you know talking to stuff over ip just nobody built that in or even considered that when they were designing any of this smart home stuff or any of their software uh for smart home connectivity because they were all writing to specific specs whether that be HomeKit, uh alexa google uh or uh what's the one samsung was doing why things we things yeah with we things uh, yeah smart home well you know there, there's different you know zigbee is a protocol that a lot of people wrote to and you know going to ip like for everything like to make it work with everybody's stuff i can see there being more complexity there than initially expected apple has released home kit the update for matter infrastructure in the home app again in 16.4 i think it originally dropped in 16.2 and they rolled it back but yeah home home kit for me has been a it's been a good, pretty good situation. I haven't faced a lot of the problems I've heard other people have, but as I pointed out to a couple of people that I've been talking to about home kit stuff too, like I didn't jump in in the beginning. Mm -hmm. So things that I'm picking up now have had an opportunity to mature in Apple's home ecosystem. And Apple has also not necessarily loosened up the restrictions about security and things it's more or less they when they initially launched HomeKit, it was had to be in hardware so if your device didn't support specific encryption protocols in its hardware you know you weren't going to get home kit um you don't want to get a little home kit sticker or compliance or whatever right right you want to get that certification that right so that means your stuff wouldn't be in home kit right yeah. where they loosen those up some years ago not really loosen them up but switch that over to allowing it to be done in software which one made it easier for people to update existing devices because now it's just a firmware update mm -hmm. versus we don't have that chip in our thing and um, those chips are also very expensive so and this is before 2020 yeah, th right? yeah before this was before the chip shortage <laughs> <laughs> right is before the great chip shortage of the 20 the 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 2020s because yes. we're still there yes yes uh but there's also you know the fact that as people are writing again these lower cost devices like a lot of what i have been buying and i look at first honestly when i'm looking for a home kit type of device i will go look at maris first uh simply because their prices are reasonable uh now they don't have everything that i want so i will have to go outside of their you know their their that manufacturer because for example i've been having the hardest time finding lights that are 75 watt to 100 watt equivalent bulbs that are not those little bell-shaped lights 
uh, you know, I was just looking for a regular light bulb. Like you used to go in the store and you would buy a hundred watt light bulb because you really wanted it to be bright in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, having a hard time finding uh, smart bulbs that have that equalness. And I think I mentioned this to you, Mike, like in my research of looking for these bulbs, a lot of times now you will see people say like, this is a 60 watt equivalent or whatever bulb when you're looking at smart bulbs. Sometimes you don't see that. Sometimes what you have to look at is the lumens and <laughs> 800 to eight. confusing me because none of these mean anything to me. <laughs> <laughs> so to, to, to back it up a little bit uh, so I don't lose anybody because I'm, I'm, I know I've talked to you about some of this, yeah. but so we don't lose any of the listeners and so it makes sense. Typically before LED bulbs, before smart bulbs, before all of this, by incandescent bulbs, I think is what they were called. But anyway, you have like, you know, a 40 watt bulb, which wasn't super bright. You have a 60 watt bulb and 75 or different wattages of bulbs. And back then that really talked to the wattage that was being used to power that bulb and how much light it will put out. So a hundred watt bulb is really bright. That is, you know, operating room hospital bright in a sense, uh-huh. right? Really, really bright. Yeah. Um, So, you know, those bulbs, they, they will pull more energy when you're using those. But, you know, they were also super bright. And that's what Tia would like in the kitchen is, you know, like 100-watt bulb equivalents. Well, with the advent, one of LED bulbs, even before we get to the smart, because the smart bulbs are just LED bulbs. They just have, you know, Wi-Fi or something built into them, you know, depending on the bulbs for connecting to a smart home situation. So when LED bulbs came in, what people had to start doing, what the manufacturers started doing, which made it easier for the consumers, was they would say this bulb is a 60 watt equivalent, right? So the brightness that is going to put out is, is equivalent to a, a traditional 60 watt light bulb. Mm. Or this is a 100 watt equivalent. So the output of the light, the brightness of the light is you know equivalent to buying a old 100 watt uh, light bulb. Uh, I'm going to stop right for a quick second and just say, hey, if you're listening to this and I'm getting any of this horribly wrong, uh, you can reach out to us. We'll have that contact info at the end. So uh, let we us know. We actually need I'd... to talk about that, Demasi. Oh, no. Something's broken. And I didn't know it was broken. TW at your own pay <laughs> gives a bounce back. Just saying. And that's what we've been sharing. And I never checked until. Wait, what happened? If you t- if you send an email to TW at your own pay.com. Oh, because you, you didn't set it up. What do I got to You got to go make a list. Go, oh, go make a Google. Son of a. I was blaming Demasi for that. <laughs> I'll edit that out. No. Oh, now he wants to edit that part out. <laughs> no, no, no. I'll okay. edit. I'll now, sh- son of a. I'll keep this part in. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. I was going to start doing the whole connected thing. Like, release the mic cut. Because, uh, yeah, you can't just. No, you know, no, no. Take no it out remember, so. we're not custom of this show. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We've been doing pretty good at that, too. Yeah. So anyway, send us feedback. We'll have more information about that as Demasi will teach me later on in this episode what I need to do in Google Groups to set it up so it works. Or do we want to wait for a second and and do you want to set up a, a, a support system at TW at your own pay before no. Monday? Okay, I'll set up a group. No, no just set up a group because it's, it's, it's not going to be that high volume. We don't need tickets. Like, you know, ticketing system? <laughs> feedback. We get so much feedback <laughs> that uh, we had to set up a ticket system. Uh, so, yeah, Tomasi will teach me how to set up a group later. Actually, I already um, know how to do it. I've, I'm in here doing it now because I thought, for some reason, I was thinking you were just forwarding them like we're doing with feedback and unmute. Oh, no, because, see, that that would force me to have to go change your MX records, which then would break your email uh, at ah. this point. Yeah. 
And I don't have an admin account on your workspace, so that's why I didn't do it. Because uh, I would have done it. Why don't you have an admin account? But yeah, send us feedback if I'm getting any of this horribly wrong, or you have a better explanation of it. But to pick up where I left off, so, you know, manufacturers would put, this is a 60-watt or 100-watt equivalent LED bulb, which means the brightness that the light is putting out, how bright that light actually gets. There's some other numbers in there, too, that I don't understand, so I won't touch on those because I haven't really researched them. Uh, but what I did discover recently as I'm looking for 100-watt equivalent standard light bulbs, I can very easily find bell lights. Like, they're, they're, they're kind of bell-shaped, and they're going, usually they're going into, like, either, like, a chandelier or something like that type of bulbs that are 100-watt equivalent. But those won't fit in my regular light outlet because it's a you know, right angle. It's not pointing straight down. It's pointing to the right. So, I mean, from pointing to the side. <laughs> so the bulb has to kind of, you know, have enough room to not be to fit first of all so what i discovered is lumens are a thing that you can also look for and lumens is sort of it's a to me at least the way i'm going to explain it because it's the way that i understand it it's a different measurement of brightness and it does exist and probably did exist before led bulbs but this is what you will see a lot you know this is 810 lumens which roughly in that eight to 900 range you're looking at probably what would be an equivalent of a 60 watt bulb. Uh, you get to like 11 to 1300, I think is like your equivalent of a, you know, 75 watt. And I probably have those slightly off because nobody's really pinned down an actual chart that I've been able to find. But just in researching, I know that what I'm looking for is probably either a 1300 or greater luminosity, uh, lumen bulb. And again, I found it difficult to find unless, unless, I want to go down the pathway of buying Hue lights. Mm. I can buy them all day. Mm. But Hue lights, mm. one, are expensive. And two, most of the ones, and I hear that they're making some that now don't require their bridge. I have not found any that I'm looking for at that brightness that don't require the bridge yet. And I don't want to buy their bridge. I will buy the Hue light bulbs because she, she wants those in the kitchen and it'll let me put smart lights in the kitchen. Hey, I'm all for that. Right. Might have to you know, mortgage a kid or something to get them, but you know, <laughs> but but you know. but you'll be able to see in the kitchen and turn that on with your voice or with it, your phone, it, yeah, or or with a little thing I'm going to tell you about in a second that you should also consider buying. Uh, but I don't want, and, and this is the thing. This has been the thing for me the entire time, and why it took me so long to start getting into smart home stuff. Anyway, one, I knew it was going to be home kit because I wasn't going to put Alexa here, and I didn't want to get into Google stuff because Google gets weird and they kill stuff. Yes. Uh, so little spooked, not doing that. And a lot of the early stuff required hubs. Uh, some of it still does, but a lot of it require hubs. So Hue, for example, which is very popular, very widely known. People love their stuff. They have a lot of different styles and, and, and uh, light situations that you can pick from, which is great. But I don't want to have to add a hub because as soon as I add the Hue hub, then that opens the door to, well, I got one. I guess I could go into this space over here with this company, but oh, I, now I need their hub. Next thing I know, I got more hubs than I got lights and I got more hubs than I got routers. And now I'm buying a 48-port switch just so I can plug all these hubs <laughs> in so that they have Ethernet co connected to them because you have to plug them into an Ethernet port. Uh, I'm currently right now using Eero, so you know it means buying a switch if I need to use more Ethernet ports. And I don't want to go down that pathway. So I'm kind of stuck at the moment with light bulbs. Maris only makes the bell shapes at 100 watts, uh, so that's not going to work. 
But um, that is a thing to be aware of where I was going with that is to kind of be aware of when you're looking at lights, a lot of manufacturers are putting the wattage equivalent there. So this is equivalent to 60 watts, 75, 100, whatever. But if you're looking for something and you're not seeing that additional kind of equivalency number being shown, look at the lumens. Uh, again, around 8, 8, 8 to 18 is what I see a lot, but I'm going to say like 8 to 900 is, is going to be like your 60 watt equivalent. And for most people, uh, that may not, because if you're like me, it's like, I don't know if that light's brighter or not. Like, I have no idea. All right, a 60-watt bulb is your your typical standard overhead light that you would put into a, a, a fixture. You know, you got a light bulb socket in, in, in your bedroom. You put a light in there. Usually, that's going to be a 60-watt bulb, uh, you know, typically. So, uh, usually where you're going to see, like, that brighter, you know, 75 to 100-watt bulbs, would probably be like a kitchen or a bathroom or something like that where you really want really, really, well, someone that can see really wants bright light so that they can, you know, eyeball things, you yeah. know, whether it's they're in a shaving mirror or whatever, or, you know, they want to be able to see everything in the kitchen very clearly, like make sure they have a very clean space. There's a, you know, area with lights that you get into about the warmth, the temperature of the lights, whether it's warm or cold. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I do know teal lights to prefers the warm lights over the cool temperature lights, but that's about my extent of knowledge there. So uh, if you reach out with feedback, don't ask me about that because I don't know. Can't help you. <laughs> uh, we will find a lighting expert at some point and I'll have them on the show and they can tell us all about it. But HomeKit is definitely the way that I have went. Um, again, I've bought a lot of mirror stuff. I have quite a few of their uh, outlets. I uh, have a couple of their power strips, which are cool. Uh, it's nice to have a power strip. It has four out the ones that I've been buying at least because they have not released the updated ones here for U.S. outlets. Mm. Uh, I have four outlets on them, so four standard you know wall outlets on them. Each addressable as their own device. So each so that's four devices right there. You got four plugs basically, and then they group the four USB ports as one device. So if you turn off the USB, you're turning off all of the USBs. Ah. And so you can't separate those out. Nope. So you can't have like, say your phone plugged into one and you're charging your phone, but you want to turn off the one that's charging your watch. Like you, right. you turn off the USB ports, you're turning off all of them. Uh, what I have been basically doing with those, like the one that's under my desk, I have like a USB-C, I have a long USB-C cable and a long lightning cable plugged into those two outlets, into two of the USB ports uh, on my, and those just kind of stay on. Uh, at this point, because I haven't done anything else with them. And I can just grab a cord, plug a phone up, plug a device up, you know, USB-C or Lightning, and I'm good to go there. And I know it's charging, and I don't get any weird pop-ups on the Mac about, oh, you just connected this device. Do you want to do this? No, just go away. I'm trying to work. I just <laughs> needed to charge it. Yeah. Although what I've really been using lately is this wireless charger. <laughs> <laughs> it's It's an awesome device, isn't it? I, I yeah. really like it. Uh, I Mallory got this cable and I she asked me to update the iPad and her computer. You know, today's Saturday. So you know, while you're recording and editing, can you update devices? I'm like, sure, not a problem. Well, I forgot that her iPad charges via USB-C. So I'm sitting here trying to plug a freaking lightning cable into it. And that didn't work out very well. But I was able to just set that lightning cable down and pick up the USB-C cable and not have to plug another cable in because it had the lightning to lightning the usb-c and the micro and that th th those are convenient they're convenient that is really convenient where does she get this cable amazon where does she get okay. any cable like <laughs> I, I swear the amazon guy like 
I I hope it with deep in my soul and and as as much as I can that Stephen and Mallory never meet. Oh, oh no, <laughs> no, no. Oh, listen, man, I'm kind of afraid for Tia and Mallory to meet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, anyways, uh, yeah. Yeah, we'll Amazon. drop a link to that cable in the show notes, uh, and then I'll grab it because I'll probably go buy one. They're nice. They're nice. Uh, and they're long and they're braided, which is super convenient. So uh, I just have it one plugged into the power strip that's Velcro taped at an angle behind my desk that I am standing at now. Um, I'm, I'm curious if I sound different standing where most of the other shows I, I sit. Because I, sometimes I'm listening to a podcast. I'm like, I wonder if they're standing. Anyways, weird things I think about. So one cable is plugged into the USB and then it has those four at the end that's just sitting right here next to my uh, keyboard, which is wireless. So. Cool. Maybe so for my birthday, I'll upgrade my keyboard to the MX keys because th- this works well. But the thing with dongles is you can't go that far. So, hmm. um, I'm, I am going to eventually have to update my keyboard and I'm not looking forward to it. And I also don't know what I want to buy. And that's one of the reasons I'm not looking forward to it because it's probably not going to be cheap. Let's come back to keyboards because you're going to ask a question and I want to talk to you about numpad commander. And what I discovered today. Hmm. Okay. So I was going to ask a question about uh, stand, standing desk. Well, because let's let's talk standing desks and then keyboards. Because oh. <laughs> I have made the decision based off my experience Thursday. Well, not really my experience Thursday. What I did Thursday and how I woke up Friday morning. Mm. Uh, I got to go buy a standing desk. Like I'm not even going to take the half step that I was going to take of like building a little platform to yeah. see if I like it. So I can, because my keyboard is wireless, I can just move the keyboard up and down as I stand up or sit down. Nope, not even taking that step. Uh, based off Friday morning, it's like, nope, got to get a standing, got to get an adjustable desk. I'll say it that way because I don't want to stand up all the time. I want my desk to be adjustable and I don't want anybody to send me just a standing desk because I'm not standing up all day. Uh, so I do need a, an adjustable height desk so I can stand or sit uh, throughout the day and still be productive because I, I normally throughout the day will get up and kind of walk around a bit and move around. But then of course I'm not working at that point and then I have to come back and sometimes legitimately I will either forget what I was doing or I'll get distracted because I'll come back and sit down. And the first thing I'll do is go pop open email and it's like, Oh, well now I'm lost. Wait, <laughs> what was I doing? And I go back to Safari or go back to the browser or, or an app. And it's like, I don't remember what I was doing here. What was I going to look for? I don't know. So definitely looking at getting a standing desk. Uh, I think I have, I got to do some measuring here in the office. I think I can move out a table that I made that has the printer on it currently uh, and the scanner and move this desk over into the current desk that I'm sitting at over into that corner, which will give to you a, a bigger surface over there as well and have the printer and stuff tilted off in the corner of it and find me a standing desk, sit stand desk. Yeah, sit stand. The I kind of wish I wouldn't have gotten the one from Costco now. I mean, let let me take a step back because I don't want to sound ungrateful for the fact that I have the one at Costco and I was able to get it, and it gave me the experience of realizing that sit stand is is kind of what I need in my life, though I already knew it. I do not stand as much as I initially thought I was going to, but having the flexibility of being able to stand if I want to or sit like, like giving me that choice and still be productive while working. I had some, some interesting thrown together ways of being able to stand up and do work. And I enjoyed that experience, but this is just reliable. Now this desk is 
uh, fairly small. I got it from Costco. There are touchscreen. It, it does have a capacitive in the glass that you can touch to adjust the height of the desk. There are some presets, but it's kind of small. But my space is kind of small, small where I am too. Hence the reason we were looking at throwing me in a shed. And uh, I don't know if we ever talked about it on this show. Anyways. Listen to Double Tap. You'll know more. Uh, and so uh, this is a real small area. Mallory's desk that she has is, it's longer, but it's narrower. So she can't go as far back, but that's what she wants because it's it's in a lobby of a building. So that's, you know, ideal, but that's longer. So it really just comes down to you, what you need. And um, most of them, you need a plug-in, obviously, to plug in the desk. Although I could probably run it on this power thing. You if probably it, don't want to do that. Because <laughs> when I need it, but yeah. you don't want to do that. Yeah, when I need it, it's not going to work. Anyways, no, it'll start halfway raising or lowering, <laughs> and then the battery will have died because you forgot that you were running it off of a battery versus the <laughs> wall outlet, and then yeah. you're stuck. Yeah, yeah, there is that. Uh, there's a lock button on here, so if you hit it, it will lock the desk. So if you, if I run my hand across the glass, it won't move up or move down. Unfortunately, it's a toggle that has no indication to me. I have not used the light detector to see if there's a light. Actually, I'll ask one of the boys if there's a light when it's on when it's unlocked, and if so, then I could probably use the light detector to see if that's on. So I'll try that. Uh, there are a couple of USB ports on it. So. So when you're investigating it, figure out what's important to you. Because what I could do if this was arranged differently, and we're talking about rearranging our room, is instead of even having this one USB cable plugged into my power strip, I could just plug it into the side of the desk, run the cable behind the desk, and then uh, have the four things come up behind the desk so that way it's taking up less room. Because cables drive me freaking crazy. I need them. Uh, they're, they're all over the place, but man, they, oh <laughs> man. I, anyways, uh, so hold, we, hold, on, hold on. So I got to interject this cause I started looking for something. I'll tell you if I find what I'm searching for, but one of the advertisements that showed up at the top of the search results, uh, for a sit stand desk says free shipping in Canada. It's the only time I think I've ever seen <laughs> free shipping in Canada only like it didn't, you know, no U S no, no free shipping in Canada. Hey, Canada, look, you got some. Yeah. That was that was random, and that is something that I think <laughs> our Canadian <laughs> listeners will take advantage of, and the advertising people need to work on their targeting. Anyways, uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> plug in the cable. Why I don't do it right now is it will it would come out the way that it's positioned, and one of us would hit it as we walk into the door. So, um, yeah. Well worth the investment. Well worth it. Yeah, I kind of know what I'm looking for generally. Um, I'm going to have to do some, again, I got to, I mean, at least I did about this tactile tape measure. So, you know, I can do some measuring of my desk. I know I'm not going to find one as wide. Like, wait, is that wide or long? That always confuses me with desks and for tables. Me, when I when I call it long, it's if I'm standing by it and I can hold my arm straight out, that's the length. The width is how far in front of me is it? Yeah, that's how I tend to think of it too. Like, yeah. so right, I'm sitting at the desk right now, but the length to me is left to right yep. space yep. for me. And then the width is the front to back. Yep. But then yeah. you got to throw in depth in there too, because I see that measurement sometimes too. So I think the depth may be the front to back surface. Right. Though? Right. Uh, Maybe. I don't know. 
Yeah, that's just how I envision it, though. You know, Link? that's how I think Wait. about it. But I don't know if the industry thinks about it that yeah. way, though. Yeah. I got to figure that part out. But I know I'm not going to find one as long as the one I have. And technically, I really don't need one as long as the desk I have because it just gives me more cluttered space. Uh, and plus, it's, it's really kind of huge because it's the long part of what was an L-shaped desk. Uh, so pretty long. The depth I do like or the, the width I do kind of like about it, though. Uh, maybe not be able to find anything quite as deep as this is, but something close to it. I do not want a narrow you yeah. know, surface. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and I would like actual physical buttons uh, if possible. Uh, maybe a little basic storage, not a lot, but you know, maybe a drawer or a little shelf or something up under, or the ability to add something like that to it is is what I'm also interested in. Uh, my other solution, I won't need as again the the length of it to be as wide because I'm just going to go buy like some little drawers or storage containers or something to keep the stuff that's currently in the desk drawers out of the way. But you know, occasionally you want to lay your phone somewhere. You mm-hmm. know? Don't stick a thing right here. Put the interface down on a little shelf that's under the desk because it doesn't need to be on top all the time. Well, actually, it does need to be at arm's reach so I can mute real <laughs> yeah, quick. Yeah, mute. That's, 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 that's why it stays there. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought about, about, I thought I about I putting it on the bottom of the desk, and I'm like, no, uh-huh. I can't reach uh-huh. mute. No, because I need to be able to reach the mute button. Yeah. Like, that, that is, uh, forgot about that part. That's, uh, I, I told Morty that. I'm like, I'm, I'm not going to upgrade to that. Uh, I'm not going to side grade to that interface you're talking about because it does have a mute button. I have to have mute. See, that have a mute button, and um, unfortunately for me, with the one that Marty bought too, because Shush is a good piece of software. But I learned uh, when using Shush once I started using Loopback, once that became a thing, when you hit mute to Shush, like use the <laughs> key command to Shush or mute stuff with Shush, it is going to mute everything including your virtual devices. So if you're routing voiceover, as I often am, through a virtual through device, a virtual device, guess what? You ain't got no more. Yep. 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 <laughs> or if Zoom is coming out of a virtual device, well, you just tried to mute yourself and you miss what this person just said to you. <laughs> like, uh, does that make sense? And I'm like, I have no idea what you just yeah. said. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. I had an audio glitch. Uh, blame it on the internet because everybody yeah. blames everything on the internet. Like, oh, I think I'm sorry, I had a my internet. My went internet. Out. <laughs> yeah, everybody says that. I don't believe people nine times out of ten me, when they me say that. Yeah, yeah, especially when it's a question that you know they're going to have a uh, a hard time answering or they have to think about, and then they immediately come back with, "I'm sorry, my internet went out." What'd you say? Can you, can you say it again? Yeah, it's like I'm going to yeah. say the exact same thing I said. Yeah, it's I'm not going to word it differently. Thirty-seven hundred bucks. <laughs> like, that's what I said. <laughs> yeah. You don't like the number? Get out of my Zoom. So, uh, what, oh, what was I going to talk about? We were going to keyboards, I think. Keyboards, yeah. keyboards. Yeah, keyboard commander or numpad commander. Numpad so there, commander. What did you find out? So there was a bits call uh, a couple or a couple of days ago about numpad commander, and it really made me think about it. And having reset up the Mac, I have. Demasi and I have both kind of done this. I think we've talked about it on the show. I know I've mentioned to, mentioned it to a couple of people, but we're really using voiceover as voiceover is intended to be used, uh, not making some of the modifications that we've made years ago, because sometimes that could be possibly adding little gotchas to some of the voiceover experiences. And, and I can, from my observations, I can honestly say that that is, is truth. Like, I have not seen some of the things that I was seeing prior to resetting the Mac uh, when I just would go in and just set up the settings 
reflexively. Just import my yep. settings from where they were is what I have been doing. And um, like since starting fresh with, and all I did is just go in because I, I didn't reset up my Mac the last time. I just went to voiceover and uh, set it back to default, set everything back to default. It's an interesting little menu there in voiceover utility too, just on a side note, when you're looking at resetting settings, you don't have to necessarily reset all of them. That's what I chose to do in this case, but they have some some kind of separation there, like reset the web settings or reset the rotor settings. Like so, there, there's a couple, there's a little granularity there that you can choose from too. It doesn't have to be a whole hog reset everything, uh, as how I did. You, but I, how do you do that? You should uh, go to Vo Utility. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's VOF8 for people listening. And then go to the menu bar and it is under, I should have actually went there and then I could have told you what it's called. It's probably file, but hold on. Yep. It's under yep, file. Go to file. And if you tap e, e, the first E gets you to export preferences. And then it doesn't take you anywhere past it. Oh no, because I'm resetting. Reset basic voiceover preferences is one option. Reset custom voiceover preferences is another option, and that is a sub-menu where you can go in and kind of choose activities, braille display, hotspots, keyboard commander keys, labels, numpad. Hmm. I didn't even know about this menu. I've never looked in the menu bar in voiceover utilities. I, I, I think in the... In the 14, 16, however, since 2006, I can't do math right now. I don't know that I've ever looked up here. Interesting. Because you can, you can set up and, and now I've always wondered, where do you go to import your settings? Because right here, there's the setup for setup portable preferences. And I thought that was a process you did in order to import your settings is you have to set that up first. This is amazing. And, and I could be exaggerating, but huh? Okay. Yeah. Go up to the file menu and then go down to reset. So if you go up to file, you hit R, then you can choose what type of, they need this in iOS. They do. They do. If I, if I want to reset my voiceover settings and there is occasion to do that, that I have found, I have to reset all settings on the phone. Yep. I have somebody right now that I think actually being able to do this on iOS would resolve the issue that she's running into, which is like, it's doing that weird refresh thing every time. Like, so you're trying to flick through an app and it just randomly throws you back, throws your focus back to the top of the app, which I haven't seen in, in, in a little while now. Uh, it was really horrible in 13 and it was terrible. Uh, but I haven't seen that behavior in a while. She is on the latest. Well, she's probably not on the latest right now because 16.4 is out. But being able to reset voiceover settings, I think, would resolve that issue mm-hmm. for her. But the only way to do it is to reset all settings. And that's going to wipe out your network connections and all of that stuff. And I was like, well, let's not do that right now with you about to travel because I don't know what negative effects this is going to have on you and what frustrations is going to cause for you or what things are not going to perform in the way you expect them to because you don't remember what you've customized. Nobody remembers what they've customized uh, on their phone. Yeah, on anywhere. Because as I was mentioning, did you know, and you probably did, that you have numpad commanders, which is great. And I at first thought that was, oh, you can command voiceover with your numpad and move up and down and stop interacting and choose item chooser. 
That's magic, and that it works great. But you can also do Numpad Commander with Control, Option, Command, and Shift, shift. and Zero. I and thought that zero. was just one of those. You know, like the voiceover picker where oh, you no. where you pick so your voiceover didn't keys. I that well enough to you when no. I was telling you about that. No, so all of those are individual layered setting groups. So yeah, and what Michael is saying with the default Numpad Commander, just using it without any modifiers whatsoever, you can set up what all the keys on your numpad allow you to do, uh, customize that. But then you can go another layer and say, hold down the numpad zero because that's not a key you can use because it's a modifier in this case. And then you got a whole nother set of commands that you can set up for each key on your numpad. Uh, the control key is another modifier that gives you a whole nother set of commands, option, command, and shift. So there is a... Uh, I have to have a numpad on every keyboard I have in the future now. Now it, it, you see why no. I have consistently yes. been using external keyboards with numpads on them. Yeah, yeah. Like, like I will never go back to a laptop layout again. I, I can't because I can't, <laughs> this why is I awesome. bought an external Bluetooth numpad, right? Because like, no, I can't yeah. not not have this. Yeah, like I earlier today was was playing with so I'm playing with WebSpot. So to bring this back to technically working and and what will come back with you, I'm gonna share some more experiences while I actually investigate the use of and start implementing into my workflow. Uh, hot spots, web spots, and sweet spots, and you know you, the the more advanced voiceover navigation that's available. I'm going to start using those. And now that I found these with the keyboard or with the numpad commander, I I realize now that it, there's a lot more available. So for example, if I hit uh, zero or yeah, if I hold the zero key and I press the period by default, that's the same thing as doing vou. That's just so much easier to just be sitting right here and just go zero period. And now I'm in the window spots, which I don't know what window spots are. So that's something I need to learn about, but man, that was awesome. When I discovered that today and I accidentally discovered it. Cause I'm like, what happens if I hold command down and I press five, uh, when I have VOK enabled and it says read next line, I'm like, what the heck are you talking about? Let's try option. And that, uh, didn't do anything. So I'm like, Oh, okay. Maybe that was just a fluke. But then when I did VO or when I did control plus five, it says click mouse. I'm like, Whoa, wait a minute. There's something here. So I had to go in and look and see what was available um so click mouse for example i could do control four now and what that could do is move the mouse to the voiceover key cursor and then control five which would actually click that and then for example i could have command four stay as read previous line and command five will read next line so as you see those have two different functionalities and with no modifier press four goes to the left so it's the same thing as pressing vo left arrow and five uh, will perform action which is the same thing as pressing vo space on that item this is like amazing and i love this and thank you and steven both of you between the two of you you know offhandedly mention it talking in about it and then me accidentally discovering that like this is this is my new elgato um because ben has the elgato and the thing about it is <laughs> is you can go in and you can set these to apple scripts too or you yep. can go in and set these to term or to shell scripts and i'm just blown away like what are, what are some things you use that are not typical of numpad or do you have any numpad commanders you can share uh so i do and i haven't gotten into using like i've been i don't do enough editing so uh but there's a lot like there's a lot you can do here as far as like find next bold item if you're mm -hmm. doing like an, an 
you know, something to mention to people like Desiree who do a lot of editing, things like that, you know, find next misspelled word, you know, things like that you can do. So what I have set up for mine, and I have to go in and customize it every time, uh, is if I start from scratch. But so typical navigation for me is uh, I leave seven and nine as their default. So seven, stop interacting, nine, interact with something. Uh, four, and this is no modifiers. Uh, four is previous item, so that's VO left, basically. Uh, five, uh, six is uh, next item, so VO right. And then five for me is VO space, right? Uh, I think, I don't remember what this key is up here, but I have the row above the, and some of these differ it's based clear. off your uh based off your your numpad also okay so yeah clear is the first one above is the one for me above 7 so for me that opens the application chooser which is the equivalent of VOF2 no VOF1 F1. F1 uh i don't have anything set for slash which is the next one the next one over is star that takes me to the menu bar. So if I already have my hand over here, I don't have to come back over and do VOM to get to the menu bar. I just tap that. Uh, if you if you double tap, if you set that set any numpad commander up for your menu, it works the same way as VOM does. So uh, you know with VOM that brings you to the menu bar. If you press it a second time, that cycles you over to the uh, status items, right? Uh, so if I just double press to start, then that takes me to the status menu so I can get up there and see things like clock and my mistral and sync and all of that stuff, right? So currently hyphen for me, which is the next one over and the last one on that row, uh, also goes to status bars because I haven't changed it to anything different. Um, the plus key for me brings up uh, the uh, VO shift M menu. Uh, so like kind of the equivalent of right click is how I think of it. But yeah. that brings up VO shift. That's that's the equivalent of VO shift M for me. The enter key on my numpad, I press that to route the mouse cursor to where voiceover is. Okay. Okay. Uh and then period by default, and I left that at the default is escape. Uh wait. And then, really? Yeah. Oh, that oh, okay. I'm done using the escape key. I just tried it and oh man. I don't, I don't need the rest of this keyboard. I just need my numpad. <laughs> Let me enter text with T9 from my numpad and we'll be good at Mac OS. So, uh, and then a couple of more that I kind of customize. So holding down zero because it's a more natural, it's one-handed basically is the reason. Uh, so if I'm holding down the zero modifier, four is previous heading, six is next heading because I do a lot of that. Uh, I don't have anything else customized there except for five at the moment, which is a mouse click. Um, control five for me, I changed to double click the mouse because sometimes trying to use the voiceover key, uh, which is the equivalent of that is, hold on. VO shift space. I have to check now. No, that's not it actually. Yeah. VO shift space, uh, performs a mouse click. Sometimes pressing that space bar twice doesn't actually simulate a double click of a mouse for some reason. So most times it does, but I've noticed in some areas where it doesn't. Uh, where something like double click the mouse to do this or whatever, and like it doesn't work. So I set specifically control five to be double click the mouse. So it is doing it from a system level versus me trying to, you know, tap the space fast enough or zero five fast enough to simulate an actual real world double click. Uh, that is about all I've customized at this point, setting it up from after resetting voiceover settings. 
I will tell you one thing that I use, and I didn't even think about it until I started using it, um, and, and I'm verifying it because right now, uh, yeah, it's it's star. I need to go through and reconfigure some stuff because I so vof2 f2 i use on a regular basis right now that's set to my clear key and i need to change that because it's a little awkward to use but now that i found this i might use that for like zero four or something like that so i can just quickly access that because i use that regularly throughout the day um right now i have the uh um next key over to give me the application chooser, which I do use that quite regularly too. And that one's fine because my finger just shoots right up to that one from the five mm -hmm. where I orientate. The star is actions. That one is awesome because Oh, that's what then, I should do with my other one. Yeah, I just slide my ring finger up when I'm on notifications and then I use my thumb because of the way this keyboard is to tap the down arrow to get to the uh complete reminders option and then i hit number five because by then my fingers back on the five for the numpad and it's just a really smooth workflow because the the way my fingers slide around with that and then uh i have the plus as the shortcut so this this was a little confusing for me uh actions and i'll explain something else here in a minute but actions is the actions keystroke which i believe is uh vo's command oh, space vo command space yep, yep. And then the plus I have set to open shortcut menu, which is the VO shift M menu. So if you ever get those confused, that's the difference in those. So I'm going to go through and configure this and we will definitely follow up on numpad commander. I'm also setting up a brand. Well, and it's not a brand new iPhone. It's an iPhone 12. Um, I'm in the process of setting up dual SIM with visible and AT&T because that was a very pleasant experience. And I want to reset the phone. And honestly, our unlocked iPhone is 128 gigs. So I'm going to make that my primary driver in the 64 oh. gig be the camera because why 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 michael why waste why? the storage yeah, yeah yeah so and the the larger unlocked one is you know anyways it's so unlocked so you yeah could, so in theory what you could also do uh oh wait you're not going to be able to do dual eSIM on that oh i can't no you're gonna have to have one eSIM, one physical sim that is one limitation of the 12s you don't get to be able to do dual eSIM running at the same time until you get to the 13. Okay, well, you just dashed my hopes, but that's okay. I'll get a physical SIM card from Visible. Actually, I'll probably get one from AT&T. No, no. Nope. I'm going to get one from Visible, one from and then I'm going to switch the e AT to eSIM. Yeah. Yeah. Switch to eSIM on AT&T so because that's always going to be your line, right? Yeah. Uh, yep. So do that, and then because you may or may not keep the Visible service, but what you could also do at some point, well, actually, everybody, I don't know. Do you already have a physical sound for AT&T? No, no, because oh, remember, well, no, well, and this is something, if you're listening and you're an AT&T customer, which is a very small subset of our listeners, I imagine. But if you have an eSIM in your phone and, or if you have a physical SIM in your phone and you switch to eSIM, your physical SIM becomes disabled on the AT&T network. Ah, okay. So I have a SIM in my phone, but I can't activate it. But it doesn't, you can't reactivate it yes. again? No, oh, you cannot. It, they just kill it. That, yep. That's ridiculous. Here's what I would actually suggest you do. And I'm saying this from a little bit of a perspective of ignorance, but I'm trying to hopefully keep you from getting jammed up. Mm -hmm. uh, try putting the visible eSIM on the 12 first. It's unlocked. Uh, oh, it's if you didn't there. already do Oh, it's already there. Okay. Ask, ask AT&T to send you another physical SIM to go into that phone. And the reason I'm making that suggestion versus what I initially said, because most of the, the 
you know, MVNO carriers that you would probably use at this point also support eSIM. So if you cancel visible and decide, oh, well, I want to set up US Mobile or Ting or, or, or whatever, right. at some point in the future, you can still just add another eSIM. And you can have multiple eSIMs on a phone, just only one of them on the 12 can be active at a time. Ah, uh, okay. So, because for a while I had uh, a U.S. mobile eSIM on my phone and a, well, not on my phone. Well, I did, but anyway, you can have more. I think you can have up to eight or 10 eSIMs actually on a device at a time. On the 12s, you can only have one eSIM active at a time. Starting with the 13s, you can have both eSIMs active at the same time. You have two eSIMs active at the same time. So to finish my my setup process of this new phone, I could set it up with Visible. I could set it up with AT&T. I can switch between those two and keep AT&T active and switch to Visible when I want to, but I can't have both of them active at the same time and get calls from both right. of them at the same time. Right. Not if now, both eSIMs. Can I configure a- data for Visible and phone and text for AT&T? Yes, you can select your, you can, um, you can with, with, with two SIM, with dual SIM on an iPhone, you can select which line is going to be your default data line. You can even set up what they call data failover. So like if, if for some reason you can't connect to the visible network, it will switch over, it will fall back to AT&T mm-hmm. for data. Uh, is one thing you could do. You can also set your default line for calls, uh, and for text, uh, to be a specific number. So you can set default calls. So when it, whenever you just you know yell out to the assistant, call such and such, like it'll use your AT and T number instead of gotcha. using the visible number. Yep. But also on the fly, you can switch uh, which number you're calling somebody from. It's a little involved if you're going into a contact, and you can also set specific contacts <laughs> to always call them using a specific. So let's say to make this a little bit more concrete. So you set AT and T as your default call number. Yep, that's uh, what I would line. do because everyone has right. that number. Right. But then say you want to, you have a, a business contact yep. that you always want to call from the visible number because that's the business number you're using, right? Yep. Well, you could go into that person's contact and edit and say always use for calls and always use for messages the business number. So even if you were to yell out in the air to the assistant, you know. Paul Marty, it would always use the, it would always use the visible media, number. Tem- the, yeah, yep. gotcha. Okay. So there's some flexibility. That's, that's what I'll do. And actually what I'm going to do is I'm going to order a SIM card from both of them because why not? Then I have a SIM card from visible and I have a SIM card from AT&T and I can throw my visible SIM card in the blind shell and play with that. And I can throw the AT&T SIM card in the iPhone and, or throw both of them in the blind shell. Now, the reason I want to go back to the reason I was saying I would, and I could be wrong. So if anybody has any experience with this, please reach out, you know, reach out to me or reach out to Michael, uh, either one or both of us. So when eSIM originally became a thing, like, and this has been several years ago, it was before, you know, pre-pandemic, prior to 2020, uh, before it was a thing, AT&T, and I don't know if they got their wrist slapped and this has been resolved or not, but because I don't know if it changed, uh, AT and T, and they were the only carrier that did this. By the way, like out of all of the you know major carriers, T Mobile, Verizon, AT and T, AT and T is the only one that did this. Someone went and bought an unlocked iPhone, so they went and bought it from the Apple Store. Like you know, new iPhone came out. I don't remember which version it was. Let's say it was the eleven, maybe. Right? They went out, bought the iPhone, bought bought an iPhone eleven, and you know, of course, when you buy a phone from Apple, it is unlocked. Well, they added eSIM from AT and T to their phone. Well, team, uh, AT&T, being the jerks that they are, 
they locked dude's eSIM or that person's because it may not have been a dude, but they locked said person's eSIM to AT&T where they could never use their eSIM again on any other carrier but AT&T. Wow. Now, that may not be the case today, but I don't remember if there, I remember the, the reports going around of people sharing this information like, hey, if you got an unlocked phone, don't, don't activate eSIM on AT&T. Uh, so I will tell you, because I can answer that question. Uh, they do not do that as of now because uh, I okay. act, remember when I thought that I broke my iPhone 12 and I'm like, Oh, but I got this unlocked iPhone uh, 12 back in January. And I just switched over to that using eSIM. And then I realized that it was the cable that was not working because I put it on this amazing wireless charger and my iPhone all of a sudden started charging. Maybe that's why I like it so much. <laughs> and then uh, I was able to switch back over to the uh, original AT&T device. So uh, that has yeah, you just added a visible yep. Yep. And it that, still shows unlocked. IPhone. It still shows okay. unlocked in uh, so, settings. So they did get in trouble for it then. Okay. Well, thank but you I for will. the update because yep. I didn't know. But uh, I will so order that's, that's good to know. both because why not? Uh, well, yeah. I mean, that works. Mm-hmm. It definitely works. But yeah, so you could, uh, and that's kind of what I'm doing at this point with my phone now that my iPhone is unlocked because I paid it off. Um, I have now I'm on a 13 mini, so I have both eSIMs active and no physical SIM active. Uh, I could put a physical SIM in here and then I will have to deactivate one of the, um, eSIMs in order for the physical SIM to be usable. However, I don't have to delete that eSIM. I just deactivate that line. Right. So that's, that's the nice thing about eSIMs. Uh, of course you're still paying for the service unless you're, you know, doing one of those. Uh, things Pre-pay. but for people traveling internationally like if you go to one of these places like ECM DB which I need to go look up and you just want a data plan for Europe like you could activate that as an ECM on your phone travel Europe when you get back if you you know routinely need to do that don't delete it just don't add more service to it because it's a prepay service so you don't add more service but what I'm doing right now is I have my uh, bedrock innovations number set up uh, I haven't gone through yet and added, I've done it for a couple of contacts where I've gone through and set it to always call and always text them from the Bedrock Innovations number. And then my default line is my personal line because everybody that you know calls me routinely, which I know a lot of people honestly has that number. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also iMessage. You can also set up iMessage on the second, like add that, that second number that you yep. add to your phone as an iMessage number as well uh, on your account. So if people iMessage you at that number or send you a text that, that would normally be an iMessage from that number, it'll also show up in your regular iMessage conversations, which is cool. Uh, I have not done that at this point because I want to. I need to step through a couple other things. I need to go set up an Apple. I'm going to set up a separate Apple ID for my business because of the Stripe uh, tap to pay feature that just got added. And I don't want those transactions tied to my personal Apple ID. So I'm going to go set up one with my Bedrock Innovations address. And I'm also going to investigate the possibility of having business iMessage set up. I don't know if that's a whole huge thing that's going to be very difficult or not because I haven't started looking. Uh, but I'm going to investigate ways to possibly have my my alternate Apple ID still work for iMessages for business. Uh, see if that's a thing. But uh, And the thing I'm mentioning about Stripe is they recently updated the Stripe app on iOS. I have not installed it on Android yet to check to see if they have that feature. 
Uh, but now you can just do tap to pay from within the Stripe app. Uh, I haven't completed setup, so I will report back about this uh, in a future episode for sure to let you know what the experience was like and, you know, if it really was necessary to go set up a whole separate Apple ID or not. But I'm doing it because I also am going to, uh, you know, I have that address connected to an Apple business account. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it makes sense to do all of that. Apple business, by the way. Uh, unless you're spending a significant amount of money, doesn't necessarily save you anything. Uh, just saying, I bought my Mac Mini up under my Apple Business account. Uh, did not save any money on that purchase. Just, <laughs> you know, trading in an M1 MacBook Pro saved me some money, or or you know, gave me some money off. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't get a real business. Now, if I'd have bought like ten of them, maybe probably maybe, <laughs> maybe. got a discount. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, the, the dual SIM features on on the on, on the iPhone, and honestly, you know, you're well, you're on the twelve, so you got to do one physical, one eSIM. But right. from the thirteen forward, if anybody's investigating doing this, and I think it's cool because you get to set up uh, multiple lines of service. So you know, instead of people carrying two phones like they used to, uh, you know, you can now carry one phone with multiple SIMs. Android also has this capability. Uh, so you can set up dual SIM on Android phones. I have done it and tested it. It works well. Have some of the similar, you know, options as you do on iOS to set a default, you know, cell data line, a default call number, all of that sort of stuff. So it gives you the ability to have your work phone and your personal phone all in one phone. Um, and now now that I have this set up with an unlocked device and I'm, I'm hopefully never going to have to go back to a point where I need to lease a device again or whatever. Uh, all my devices in the future will be unlocked. And if I can't afford it, I guess I just won't be upgrading. There you go. Uh, that's going to work. Yep. Uh, but now that I have this set up, I am going to play around a little bit. Uh, probably once I update Tia, upgrade Tia's phone to a 14 uh, later this year. Presuming that we get an iPhone 14 Pro. I mean, I think it's pretty much, you know. You mean 15? The, 15, yes. Thank you. Yeah. Because that's my intention. My intention is to trade my 12 in and just go into an unlocked 15. Mallory's going to, because so, so I got to finish that payoff. Um, Mallory's going to end up upgrading probably. The boys, I don't know, two of them are on 13. So I think unless they're substantial, they'll be fine. Uh, Benjamin's on a 12. He hasn't had an upgrade in a couple of years as well, like me. So it's it's pretty much our year this year, and I'm kind of excited. I want to do something similar and just trade in the device to Apple and just go directly through Apple instead of the carrier because then that's that's less restrictive. Um, yeah. and, and it gives us the flexibility of, you know, if – if service becomes degraded for AT&T here, then we can switch to Verizon or, or if, you know, uh, Mr. F wants me to come up to Canada to meet him, then I can go to Canada and still have cell phone service and not have to worry about a locked phone. Uh huh. Or if you're like Demacia and you're like, Hey, I'm going to save me some money with this carrier. I'm going to go switch over to visible because it's a lot cheaper visible. <laughs> when I play with this, I, that may happen. That, I, I like those numbers. I like those numbers. If you want to save $20 on visible service, go to your own pay.com slash TW use Demacia's. Nope. Oh, well, you can go to your own pay.com slash visible, but there's there going to be a link in uh, the oh, show notes at TW and I was going to tell him to click the link, but either way, your own pay.com slash visible <laughs> will also take you there and it'll give Demasi $20 and you get to get to save you $20, get $20 off your, off your first, bill. off your first bill. And that I like means. how they do it. So you can use credit card or PayPal to check out. Uh, so I just did it on the business PayPal account. Oh, and Venmo. Huh? Yeah. I saw Venmo yeah. down there somewhere. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, but. The $20 goes off. Like it's, it's not, 
five dollars off this month and five dollars off it's your first month okay. is either your, five your or ten dollars your, your bill at the actual rate without the minus the 20 bucks so they're normal prices for people and i, I haven't looked today because it's now april 1st so that that welcome today's deal not the day to look for people's prices just saying uh april crowd you know what? I knew it was April first, and I that I did not make that connection as April Fool's Day. It's it's not as as pop culturey as it was when we were growing up. Yeah, true. Well, like, also we started. I know I kind of started ignoring it once I got older too, because uh-huh. tech companies and, and news organizations really would do really completely stupid stuff. So I just stopped paying attention. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was more of a pop culture thing. Where I guess because we didn't have the internet to distract us. Now everybody's just looking at Oprah Fool stuff on TikTok. So. Right. Oh, I'm not even going to open TikTok. The Apple Apple car has been released. Here it is on the road, right? And then at the end, April Fool's. April Fool's is just a (laughs) Somebody did it. (laughs) Somebody did it. I guarantee you somebody has done it. Uh, But Visible's normal pricing is $30 a month. Both plans, they only have two plans now. They used to do a group share thing when I first looked at them. And I was like, man, that seems kind of confusing and a little uh, pyramid scheme So I'm not touching that. No. Uh, they are now at two plans. Uh, one normal price is $30 a month, and the second one is $45 a month. That is all inclusive. So if you are on the $30 a month plan, you're just going to pay them $30 a month. Like, there's not going to be any. And I was waiting for this. Like, oh, yep. well, there's $30 plus, you know, the service fee and yada, yada, yada. Nope, 30 bucks, you're done. Um, The reason I switched to Visible, I think I mentioned this on the last show, but the reason I chose Visible is because they do also support cellular Apple watches. So for an additional $5, so starting at the base plan of 30 bucks, you add five bucks, you can bring your Apple watch uh, as well and have that connected if you have a cellular watch. Um, Unlimited talk, text, and data on both of these plans. Uh, The primary differences between the two tiers, the $30 versus the $40, Forty-five dollar plan are on the forty-five dollar plan. You are guaranteed fifty gigs of data uh, before you will ever be throttled. Now, I reached out to support, and, and the answer I kind of got back, and I think I also saw this somewhere on their website early on when I was looking at them. On the thirty-dollar plan, they're not just going to automatically throttle you. It's going to be when the network is super busy and you fall into that category of high data users as well. So if you're like, you know, chugging along and you use on average about two or three gigs, which is about what Tia uses every month, and you hit a spot where the network is extra busy because everybody's trying to go look at the April Fool's Apple car because nobody knew it was a joke, um, she shouldn't be throttled. But if she were at, say, 27 gigs of usage, at that point and the network gets super busy, they're going to throttle her down because it's like, you've already used a ton of data. So we're going to slow you down a little bit because, Hey, we can't do that. That's the only difference in the 30 to $45 plan. That's the major difference. Anyway, there are a few other perks that you get with the $45 plan. Uh, you have access to Verizon's ultra wide man. I think it is, uh, 5g, uh, but it doesn't matter if you don't have a phone that has that band in it because not all phones, I don't think. Maybe the 14 started this, but I don't think all iPhones prior to that came with that. You had to buy the specific Verizon model, I think, in order to get that. That's that millimeter wave uh, 5G thing, uh, basically is what that is. Not everybody's phone is going to support that, and it's also not going to be available to you everywhere anyway. So, you know, not a huge not a huge loss by not having that. Um you get a little few more countries that you can call and text for free on the $45 plan, but on the $30 plan, you can text Canada 
and I think even called to Canada for free. So, you know, there's that. Yep. Uh, and so basically, both of their plans save you money if you're a Verizon Internet customer. Yep. You save $5 if you're on the $30 plan and $10 off if you're on the $45 plan on Verizon Internet if you have that in your area and you are a user. Uh, so, and again, the thing for me is that one is on Verizon's network, two is supports the Apple Watch, three, that price is all inclusive. There's no extra taxes, fees added on. So my bill for Tia every month is going to be 30 bucks. I'm going to pay them 30 bucks every month for Tia service because we got in in March when they were doing a welcome discount. So instead of $30, she got $5 off. So it's 25 bucks. And they were doing the same thing on the $45 plan. They would knock $10 off. So it was 35 bucks. And that stays in perpetuity as long as her service is active. Now, she cancels service and then joins up again like, nope, you, you don't get that discount anymore. But that discount will stay in effect. So 25 bucks for her service, $5 for her watch, $30 out the door every month. I'm good. For me, 25 bucks a month because I did not add my watch yet because I'm trying to see if I really need to or if I don't care about it. I kind of at this point don't think I care about it because uh, I always have my phone. Uh, and so it'll just connect to the phone, which it does anyway if you have your phone with you. Uh, Tia oftentimes though is out and because she uses her phone for a lot of different things, including a magnifier, sometimes her battery dies and then she doesn't have a way to call or text or get calls or text. So uh, it makes her feel more comfortable to have that cellular data connected. Uh, and so I'm good. So I'm looking at 55 bucks a month where I was paying a hundred dollars a month just for our two phones to have unlimited talk, text, and data on T-Mobile, and an additional ten to fifteen bucks per watch uh, yeah. every month. So I'm happy. Do, the do service s- seems good. Do some evaluation of your services and what you're paying because it's saving money now. It's 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 definitely it's always been good to save money, but now I think it's. Definitely it more is an optimal time. Like yes. I'm looking at some of the purchases that I would like to make right now. And yeah. like, I'm, I'm really struggling not to make them because I don't want to really spend the money. Uh, I probably am going to buy this boom arm though, just because I need to know what it looks like. And Amazon has a decent return policy. So if I uh-huh. get it, like, I really hate it. I'm just going to send it back. So uh, we're going to buy these four cameras probably from Costco or the August lock. Um, I will tell you in a moment. Skip that August lock for now. Okay. Unless you absolutely need to get a new lock right this second. We do not skip it for a bit. Skip it for a bit. And the reason I say, and here's, here's kind of my strategy. So going back to the home, you know, security camera, door lock conversation. I haven't bought one yet. Um, Arlo pro four. I hear those are actually pretty good. Yeah. It's a four pack from Costco for $200. So you get four cameras. What? Yep. Yep. And uh, I will send you a link so you can get two outdoor or I, I believe it's four outdoor cameras and they're home kit compatible too. Oh man. <laughs> I just, did, I, I just said I'm not spending my money. You're welcome to Aussie. Um, they are the fourth generation, the not the one. fifth generation, but. Yeah, I, I don't know the difference in them. I, I haven't. I, I've done some very basic research on cameras, and I know I do want them to be home kit because that'll pull stuff in and make it easy for Tia to look at the cameras. Or That's what she wants is something easy to look at the cameras instead of having. She to go does want cameras up outside, so I I may just grab these because that that resolves that problem for right now. So that's probably um, what we'll pick up, and I'll tell you how the experience is if we get that today. If um, I um, so in my research, what I've been looking at, and on a side note. 
I'm not going to go down this path unless they add home kit or I actually set up home assistant or something like that and decide that, oh, this, this is great and I'll do it. Um, Ubiquity has a whole line of door locks and camera. Well, they don't have their door lock out yet, I don't think. They have a door bell out. They don't have their door lock out yet. Uh, but they do have cameras uh, also. They start from actually pretty reasonable and then they get up and they can get up into the ridiculous. If you want 4K auto panning, blah, 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 nighttime vision uh, stuff, infrared. Uh, but they have cameras that will connect back to their stuff. Uh, but it right now does not have any kind of smart home integration as far as I know, unless you're using, I know Home Assistant, somebody has written a plugin for it. I don't know about Home Bridge necessarily. Um, cameras I've been a little wary of because I want some that that are decent. The Arlo's I've heard good things about. Uh, so a four pack for two hundred bucks, like hey, why why not? I'll probably do that too. Uh, door locks. Here's my thing with door locks. I want I require a couple of things for door locks, and one of the reasons I'm kind of thinking about not buying a door lock is <clears throat> this could strictly be placebo but when i leave my house and i'm gone like we're all leaving the house we're gone right i locked the deadbolt and i locked the doorknob lock too and the reason i make sure i lock both is because at least my memory serves me from being a young mischievous child that if i could turn a doorknob it mm-hmm. gives me a little bit more leverage to push whereas <laughs> if that doorknob's not moving i don't have that additional torque to try to help in my machinations here right um, and i could just again that's why i say it could just be a placebo but i've always locked both locks i've never just locked the top lock and been like okay they're both locked so you know they can turn the knob all day yeah um one thing i've been thinking about recently is like if i get a smart lock i can't lock the bottom lock because then i can't uh you know that that defeats the purpose of having the smart lock at that point well you could still lock the bottom lock but it defeats the purpose true. of having the smart true, lock. True. Because yeah, if I yeah. come back to the house and, oh, well, the deadbolt's unlocked, but I still got to get my key out to unlock the bottom lock. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm kind of surprised no one has built a solution that does both. Uh, I really honestly am. When I when I started thinking about it, because I'm like, some people, you know, bought in early into the smart locks and they just replaced their bottom doorknob with like a lever knob, right, with mm-hmm. no, no key on it. So they could just, because the idea was, you get close enough with your phone, it knows it's you, it unlocks the deadbolt lock, and then you can elbow the lever down to push the door open. Yeah. Uh, but the other reason I haven't bought a smart lock is I really don't want everybody in the world to know I have a smart lock. Uh, the August ones, when they initially came out, were super interesting to me because they just had a little device that went over the inside of your door uh, where, you know, in place of the deadbolt thing right. that... Uh, and it, you know, outside, outwardly, you know, it's a regular door. Cool. I heard they were very buggy for people. Uh, I have a friend that actually has one or had one. I think he's replaced it now. I don't know what he replaced it with yet, or he's thinking about replacing it. He's mm-hmm. going to replace it if he has not right. as of yet. And it's because like he would go up and he would always just have to either take out his phone or go through the watch in order to force it to unlock. Even though so it wouldn't just know, automatically unlock, which is nah, what you think of with the hardware. Yeah. Hardness. Well, that's what it's supposed to do. It just it, it seemed very buggy in that original. And he has like whatever the I don't know if they've dropped one like in the past six months, but anything six months or older than six months, he he has whatever that most current gotcha. version is, if it's not six months or newer. Uh so that's one thing about it. 
The other thing I'm kind of sort of waiting for, too, is whenever someone releases a new smart lock, there's one out there I've been looking at right now, and I'm just waiting for the inspections to happen mm. where people figure out how easy is it, is it or is it possible to easily hack this 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 lock, right? Yeah. Now, picking a lock, there's one out there that, that you know, people are talking about, oh, it's so easy to pick. And it's like, yeah, but how many people are walking around with professional grade lock picks in their pocket, right? Not a lot. Right, right. Because if you got lock picks, like, I don't, I don't care. If you can pick a lock, you can pick a lock. Like, that's that's common sense to me, at least. Uh, I think August has not released their matter-compliant lock, though, and that's honestly what I would wait for because I yep. also think that matter-compliant one is going to have the wide band in it. So... With your watch, with Mallory's watch, and with all of your phones, I believe, at this point, you have the wideband chip in them. So it's going to be more accurate for unlocking and locking for mm-hmm. you because it'll have a more accurate location for you. So if you're inside the house and you walk past the door, it shouldn't unlock your door, right? <laughs> and there have been times I've been on the phone with my friend where he's, you know, he'll go through the kitchen and then he's going to do the automatic unlock thing, but yep. he ain't going outside. He's just in the kitchen and it's like, uh, and I would hear, uh, oh, no, I know what it was. He invited me to his home, uh, his, his, his Apple home, for me to help him uh, try to f- troubleshoot some stuff for him, which is a cool thing you can do. You don't have to be in the same home with somebody to be added to their home so you can see things. Um, and I would get, I had to turn off notifications <laughs> for home out because it would be front door unlocked, front door lock, front door unlock, front door lock, front door unlock, front door lock. Like literally like that back to back. And one yeah. day I was talking to him and it was doing it. And I was like, so that happened most of the time when you go in the kitchen, huh? He's like, yeah. And I was like, man, I was trying to figure out what y'all was doing one day. Because I'm like, geez, really? Why you keep locking another? Are you testing it? Like, what the hell is going on? It works. It works. <laughs> so it's like, man, it work. Okay, stop it. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. So, But you guys, so you guys currently have the... Simply. Uh, Simply, simply safe. Yep. Uh, lock. And, and we're going to, so what's going to happen? And, and I'll tell you what's happened is we'll probably keep the simply safe lock in place. We'll probably keep the simply safe system in place. And we're just going to upgrade the cameras right now. That's going to put us in two different apps, but that'll also give me the ability to sell the camera that we have on the second market to get a little bit more money to recoup the cost of paying for the camera. So then we can start selling the lock and see slowly sell off the simply safe ah, system to move go. stuff into home kit. Because eventually I do want to look up HomeKit compatible alarms. I am going to play with HomeBridge and some of the, and Home Assistant and Raspberry Pi tools. But right now I just want to start building a, a new home and then I'll have a fake home or a test home or something to play with uh, these other tools. And then uh, it, it'll be a staging home and then I'll move that stage. Oh, that's home a to good a idea, home. actually. Because <laughs> I've been like, okay, I need to play with Home Assistant and HomeBridge and stuff. But I want to break what everyone else I is actually enjoying. was like working. Piss them off. Right. That's a good idea. I, didn't, I don't know why I didn't think about that. Because uh, you can't just right easily there. migrate a staging to a live home. But, well, no, you, know. you will have to remove it and set it back up. But yeah. I mean, to give me the actual ability to test. Well, you can have it. multiple homes in home. You know, yeah. So yeah. 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 Uh, that's why I'm like, I wonder why I never thought about doing that. Because the, the button's right there. Like, add a new home. Uh, you know, it's like, oh, I, I never thought about doing call it. Call it Playground. Wait, that's that's some weird sounds to it. <laughs> And on that uh, note, do you have anything else? We're about 80 minutes-ish. 
Nope. I am curious to see what comes down later this year with matter compliance, though, for locks. Uh, there's a couple of good security systems. Uh, Acura, I think is how you say the name of them. Uh, have some pretty good, uh, have pretty good ratings from people. I haven't actually used them myself. Uh, Mike Hurley has mentioned them on, I think, Upgrade as a system that he's been buying into. Abode also has a pretty good reputation for home security. Uh, but this is going to be fun because I'm also looking at similar things and I'm trying to keep everything in home kit. I really don't want to go outside of home kit to have to use home bridge or home assistant mm-hmm. unless it is a device or feature wise, a device uh, that does not exist with home kit compatibility. So either something that just isn't in home kit period, like nobody makes that device for home kit with home kit compatibility or the non-HomeKit version is so much superior or more cost-effective than the things that do exist in HomeKit. And then, you know, that that's what would push me outside of that and then force me to do Home Assistant or HomeBridge. And I think Home Assistant or HomeBridge would be the tool to use if you need to bring things outside your home into your home versus connecting your RoboVac directly with, you know, a different service, because then at least, you know, the home assistant's being updated and uh, hopefully that connection's being updated too. Yeah. And I think I'm, the way I'm looking at it. Yeah. And I think I'm leaning more towards home assistant at yeah. this point uh, to try it, just to even try out and maybe that'll become a part of my home anyway, because they seem to have some, some quite deep integrations and, in, uh, automations available that are not just generally available in apple home so well and it gives you that home dashboard if that's something you want to that you can go in and you can have it be a home page or one of the windows that opens when you open safari and go and get the temperature see what lights are on you know turn things off see what music's playing see who's watching what where um which is awesome <laughs> so yeah. ben you've been watching that too long yeah your own pay.com slash tw if you want to yell at your kid oh <laughs> you can find us on mastodon the simplest way to get there is going to be to go to name.yourownpay.com so demasi.yourownpay.com will take you to my mastodon account Uh, michael.yourownpay.com will take you to michael's mastodon account or send an email because michael will have it fixed this time by the time the show publishes tw at yourownpay.com if you have feedback for us always remember uh we are in those places but uh yourownpay.com slash support if you just want to you know donate a little money in here to help keep the show running because hey uh we are buying stuff that we're going to be checking out and talking to you about uh and we want to Make sure we can uh, financially do that. And if you're more comfortable with leaving tips with other podcasts in Pinecast, you're like, I don't understand that. You're on Pay.com support, but I supported this other podcast with Pinecast tips. Can't I just do that? Yep. Take a look at your show notes. It'll be available towards the bottom. If you're interested in starting your own podcast as well, definitely use the referral link or code so you can save 40% on your podcast for the first four months using Pinecast. There you go. Links to stuff we found or talked about will be at yourownpay.com slash TW.